podcast. Movie, movie, 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 podcast. Are you getting this? Welcome to the Movie Movie Podcast, everybody! Episode number 115. I'm your host, Tiggs. And with me, as always, are Russ. Hey, y'all. It's Russ again. Alex. Hey. And Peter. Oh, hi. Oh, man. And have we got a show for you guys this time we've got a bunch of movies to talk about we've got a movie movie to talk about on this movie movie podcast how many jokes can we get out of this before we start talking about the movie 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 oh so that's the thing like i don't know if we've ever really talked about it here but the name movie movie was we did we did this like uh this movie based form in improv practice once and then we started performing it live on stage when that was allowed um, and was it T- Tiggs? Was it you? Nope, or was it was it you. Alex, who, when we just sat down, was like we we were doing a fake podcast. He was like, "Welcome to the movie movie podcast." It was you. It was me. It was one hundred percent you. Oh wow! I remember um, it like it was yesterday because I time has really stopped meaning anything. Um, so, so we started doing that fake podcast in our uh, uh, improv form. And now, what, cut to seven years later, in 115 episodes, we discovered that there's a movie called Movie Movie. I can't believe it took us this long. That came out in the 70s. <laughs> it's not like it's a new movie movie. It's an old movie movie. Yeah. But I think that, I mean, if we didn't know about it, I bet our listeners don't know about it. And I think that that means we need a Movie Movie Rust Down for a Movie Movie. <laughs> You got it. Movie, movie. Directed by some old guys, probably dead. Uh, three movie genres of the 1930s. Boxing films, World War One aviation dramas, and backstage Broadway musicals are satirized using the same cast. I love which that. Oh, yeah, is... sorry. No, I was going to say that is accurate. That is well, accurate. They, that, they're, that they, like, in the description say that they spoof World War One air dramas because that's literally just a trailer. It's the that fake takes trailer hours. in between the two. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I was talking to Tiggs about this earlier. It's very. It starts off with in color with George Burns. Yeah. Out movie theater, just being like, "Hey, the movies and uh, <laughs> the movies are great." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it starts off with George Burns saying. I'm not in this. Yeah. <laughs> Don't I'm worry. Don't worry. Which, I'm not in the picture. I'm which is... George Burns not being in something is bad news that I'd rather learn by the end of the film. If you give yeah. me that bad news right off the top, uh, oh. I know. Starts off strong. I gotta say, I don't know. I actually very much enjoyed Movie Movie as, like, like I was talking to, to, to Pete before, like, Stanley Donen, Donen um... Yeah. Who made classics such as Singing in the Rain had uh, had obviously just grown tired of all of the genre films that he had made throughout his career and was like, I am just going to do a send up of everything right now in this. Yes. It, it's so, a very light send up, though. It is. Yeah. No. So that's the thing is, so this is for. <laughs> this is very much for like movie people to laugh at movies in yes. that way. Like I don't know who this would have been for, even probably in the seventies as much. Like, like audience wise, like this is like a very much like. Well, I definitely like actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, this is you can kind of tell it's like Hollywood the way it always loves to, you know, smelling its farts and and eating itself a little bit. <laughs> well, it's yeah, like, it's, like it's it loves to do. Forty year old movie so elegant that is just, that is just saying like. Look at how we used to make movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Which, and it's fu- like it's fun. Like I think the di- like the first half. I think the dialogue is legitimately funny. Oh, so do I. Uh, I like the the some well, some of the dialogue is like one liners. Yes, so good. So, it's, it's like so terrible and so funny that like this this could easily be 
in any of these movies. Like, oh man. Yeah, but but I think it also runs the problem of satire that runs too close. Oh, you need to. It's uh, the, it's an inside joke that like you could easily walk out of this and be like that was terrible, or you could walk out of this and be like that was really funny. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's why with the first one is a pretty straightforward boxing film, but with, with like terrible all the dialogue tropes that you would expect. Like yeah. you know, like someone wants to fix the fight and he doesn't want to fix it. And it just, it feels very familiar, but it takes a turn and becomes a legal drama at like the drop. Yes. Oh my God. That was so great. And that is, that is, it's in that moment is so much funnier than anything else. I think it does that, that I'm going to law school. And then it cuts. (laughs) The payoff of the jokes in this movie, which I think there's plenty. It's just not for a mass audience. No, it's not. Definitely not. Is for people who, yeah, that's it. Like I don't know how this was made because I saw I like I like there were a few times where I died, like that being one yeah. of them. Uh, I thought that was super funny. Uh, just the the, I, the both scenes starting in the doctor's office, yeah. just like creating the stakes of, of death or blindness it, right from it, the Art Carney artists. both times very funny. You know to, to quote. George Lucas on these uh, two sections, oh, they're like poetry, they rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> the, and then, like, going into the, the second movie, like, the the entire opening scene with the doctor and being like, you had, like, six months to live, like, well, actually, from your last of it. And, like, that entire, like, exchange of dialogue... That's hilarious. <laughs> killed me. I was like, this... Because it just kept going. <laughs> I think we're also not used to maybe in this day watching a comedy that's not mean to right. anyone. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's like, I, like, like, there's no but of any of these jokes and I don't know what to do with it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, except, I mean, the, I guess the, the, the funny and out the one-liners, I guess the biggest one of a joke would be the maid who's passed out. <gasps> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. She's drunk, <laughs> and I don't know why that line made me die. Last night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just yeah. so funny to me. I love. I really enjoyed this. I have a very important question about the second movie. Something that I couldn't really, which is like a backlot Broadway yeah. show. Yeah, like, it's, it, like it's very much Forty Second Street, all yeah. about E Forty Second Street sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So the. The writer, the like, uh, uh, the whatchamacallit, the lyricist. So his name is Dick Cummings. Was that a joke? Yeah. And her name is is Kitty, right? And she gets. I feel like there was a. I think it has to be. Yeah. The movie wasn't winking at me, but it felt like the movie was turning around and was like trying to look at me in a way that was trying to say with its eyes, I'm winking at you without winking at me. And I gotta say, the song's pretty good. Like the, the song on the rooftop, I was totally digging it by the uh, by, uh, by the time it was done. I was like, I was. It's honestly better than a lot of Broadway shows I paid for. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. Like I I I don't know. Like I think that initially I was very hesitant, um, and then just like letting myself just get lost in it, like. It, I will say, like, it's not very long, but they, but each one probably, I don't know, like ten minutes too long, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a hundred percent agree. But besides that, like, oh, I, I would a hundred percent watch this again. Like, no, no, no question. If someone's just like, hey, you do a movie, movie podcast, right? Have you ever heard of the movie, movie, movie? I'd be like, let's watch it, let's do it. Yeah, I. Um, <laughs> I'd want to rewatch the first one again because I just I just wasn't in the same headspace to watch the Me first too. half when I was to watch the second. Yeah, and I think that fake trailer did so much for my understanding of what the joke it was making the entire time. Yeah, because I, I think like we said before, you could watch this movie and end up being confused until thirty five minutes in. Yep. that the whole thing is the joke. Um, yes. And, which is al- which is almost funnier than anything else that happens in the movie. <laughs> well, because because yeah. I think actually the one thing that 
I guess maybe to the movie's credit, um, I think the cast is really good. Yeah. <laughs> A hundred percent. Like George C. Scott is great. Awesome. Great. Offenses. Um, and I guess that's someone that for us growing up, we're like, you know, you know him from like Patton. Like we know right. we know a different George C. Scott than I guess Doctor Strange Love, right? Then would know. Um and I guess like, you know, uh, like red buttons, I think that's someone that I guess they don't really know that well. Right? It's like no. I know uh, he's somebody who mattered. Yeah. That's it. Yep. But that's it. really some great, there's some great fucking one-liner like jokes in this. The, the second doctor visit when he's like, only four weeks to live, 30 days. And he's like, this is February. <laughs> 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 like, he's like, you know what they charge for an eye? An arm and a leg. Like, like, that shit's it's, funny to me. It's so funny because like, imagine like if the Zucker brothers had this because you could have done it with the same lines with different like. It could have been yeah, like, but but like you were saying, it's so wholesome that it yeah. makes it so yes. much funnier. <laughs> and maybe it is just like jadedness of how of like movies today, but like it it really it got me. Because imagine if this was made today, I think that you would have to code it in so much irony. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you would have to like, I don't know if you could do something played this straight on like a budget with like, like equivalent of like a George C. Scott and all these art carny and everyone. Like, yeah. Like th- this isn't winking at us in a way that I feel like if it was made now, it wouldn't just wink at us. It would like kick you in the face. Yeah, like like one of those epic movies or something like that. Or yeah, the, you know those those worst spooks. Like this, these are honestly those movies. They're just like with people playing it very straight and with lines that if you listen to what they're saying, is the spirit of the movie, but also just very funny. I feel the kind of tone that I would use to describe it. It's like. It's like if you watched an Ernest movie or a Medea yeah. movie and you took out Ernest and Medea from those movies. Yeah, I could see that. There's still comedies, but there's not the over the top nature shouting comedy at you. Right. Well, I, I would watch Ernest shout comedy at me, regardless. <laughs> just that word over and yeah, over. I mean, I'm I would... not saying it's a bad thing. I'm oh, just... Okay, just making like... sure. <laughs> Like I mean, in many ways, he is shouting comedy at you, who is Vern, and stuff like that, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Like, I, I think one of the lines that kind of has like cl- clarifies like how delicate of a tone this movie balances is it's like because as Red, this this isn't funny, but he's like gentlemen of the jury, the state cries out that the murder of Loves Malloy be avenged. It cries out so loud that I finished law school as fast as I could so that poetic <laughs> justice may serve. Personally, prosecute the man responsible, Vince Marlowe. Like. That yeah. is so dense, and there's so much in there that you may not realize it's funny when you're not really listening to what he's saying. Yeah, it, absolutely. That's and I think that too. It, Harry Hamlin's delivery oh. throughout mm-hmm. this is yep. just so like it's so it's so like that kind of wobbly like thing, and it's like and you get like the line that that, that he ends it with is when a man says what's right, what's good, what's real. If it's true, then his mouth is ten feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's legit funny. Like, I'm so I was like very curious what you guys were thinking because I was watching like once I got to the end of the first movie and started the second one, I was like, "This is awesome." Yeah, I would I would watch like several of these types of movies kind of set up this way because it's really fun. Yep, but yeah. I was like. This, I, who is this for? Because I'm like, it may be for people who talk about movies, but I think it that, is. I yeah, I watched I watched the first one and emailed you guys like, I'm not sure how much is here yeah. other than the ending. But as I said, like that ending followed by the the fake trailer and then the tone of the opening scene of the second one is is just unlock this in a yeah, different way. Totally. Yeah. And I think that, like, my initial, like, hesitance was all based on that email that you sent. <laughs> and then once, it, once I actually started watching it, I was like, oh, no, I'm yeah. totally into this. 
Uh, it's up on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Why why we're yeah. Uh, why we just all of a sudden discovered that there's a movie called Movie Movie. <laughs> For the movie, movie podcast. How did I mean, Alex? You you were the one who like found this out last time. How did you how did you discover this movie in general? I just googled movie movie um, for some reason, and it was one of the top things that came up. Wasn't our podcast? It was not. Believe it or not, we our SEO is shite. I mean, uh, we have to contend with this movie. To be fair, yeah. I know. I'm weirdly impressed and equal parts impressed and confused by this movie that it exists yep. and that like never heard of it. Yeah, George C. Scott's a weird. We were talking about him earlier. He's a very strange addition to this, just because we're like, aren't there like all those stories from um, Doctor Strangelove that were like Kubrick trying to convince George C. Scott to be bigger, and he would have to like tell him like, okay, let's do like a really big one just for reference and then you tone it down and he just used all the big ones oh is that true that that I, I would i would believe it um so, that, so it's weird that this he's like the biggest part of all of this like he's very prominent <laughs> yeah and i mean i actually i don't know if he has a lot of stage ex- like experience before um but i thought he played like the, the musical section, like, I thought he played the part of someone in a 40s, like, that like that era musical, 3040s musical, uh, really well. Oh, yeah. he, he was killed us. Awesome. Yeah. I like when he got out of the taxi cab and tipped the guy $10, and the guy asked who he was, and instead of just, like, having one picture of him, there was, like, many <laughs> pictures of him around him, and even, like, a cardboard yeah. cutout that he was next to. Like, the real subtleness of that, because they don't—they don't make a joke out of the fact that there's a million photos of him. Oh, it's just clever. Like it's witty and clever. Like that. The um, yep. yeah. I, I am glad that we all really like this. I won't lie. So yeah, yeah. So I what's? Mean, it's it's also it's 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 an era. It's two eras that we very rarely get to. This is on here, both That's the, true. the seventies through when it was made and the thirties through what it was like sending up. Like, yes, yeah. yeah. But yeah. starting starting in November, we're gonna have our nineteen thirties retrospective episodes talking about nothing but thirties films. Okay, uh, it's called Thirty for Thirties. Thirty. Oh <laughs> gosh. On that note, let's move on. Um, you should be talking about what we're gonna do in the orders, uh, but let's just move into another one that we all saw. And let's talk about Hubie Halloween. Jesus fucking Christ. The Netflix original Hubie Halloween. Do we need a rust down? No, please. Wait, we don't? And do. Okay, fine. Hubie (laughs) Halloween. Directed by Stephen Grill, uh, despite his devotion to his hometown of Salem and its Halloween celebration, Hubie Dubois is a figure of mockery for kids and adults alike. But this year, something is going on for the night, and it's up to Hubie to save Halloween. Holy shit. When Adam Sandler said if they didn't nominate him for an Oscar, he was going to make the worst fucking movie ever, he might not have been um, lying. Well, you I know what? have a bad movie coming out, because this one was good. I 100% agree! <laughs> oh, we're all stupid. This movie sucks. No, this movie... Starting with Ben Stiller no. reprising his role from, from as the the as whatever. the orderly from yes, I was like um uh, and to be fair, forty minutes in, I was ready for this movie to be over, but then it got me again. <laughs> the Steve Buscemi Rob Schneider stuff is so fucking. Funny. Oh my god! <laughs> Did you really think that was funny? Yes, and it was not funny at all. That's oh. just a me. I thought that shit sucked. I thought the Tim Meadows, Maya Rudolph stuff was kind of funny. Oh, I loved uh, all the Meadows stuff. Yeah. I thought that the Sandler thing, no, that the Stiller thing at the beginning was funny. I, I could not, I get that Adam Sandler doing dumbass voices is kind of his stock and trade, but this voice, for whatever reason, really took me out of his character. It was you didn't like Hubie Dubois? He's too old for No, me. I didn't care. That's the problem. Hubie. I, I did. I had to put on subtitles because I couldn't understand them half the time. 
And then <laughs> June Squibb. June Squibb. Oh, my God. June Squibb so good. <laughs> yeah, Squibb was great. Her T-shirts were funny. Oh, this, so this, funny. Yeah. June Squibb was like, great. This is like, uh, like if Little Nicky could, like, which I love. If Little Nicky had, like, a sequel or a third movie and everyone was just kind of phoning it in, I, I thought Alex just... was part of this movie. And that's weird. I, I think his voice is just you kind of put you put Little Nicky and the Water Boy together. That is exactly it. Yeah. And, and it threw, it just really threw me. I know how to decipher Little Nicky. I know how to decipher Little Nicky. And this combination, it really took me out of the movie. And I know I'm talking about QB <laughs> um, I, I thought that the I thought it was clever to have the thermos that could do like fifty thousand things. Like this sure. movie should have worked, and it just it didn't totally work. But it also didn't. I was being a little bit aggressive. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's probably one of the better. It's it, it's definitely it's one, of the, actually yeah. one of the best things he's done in the last decade. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that this could have been better. It's not a five-star movie by any account, um, but it is a five-star... Netflix Adam Sandler movie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a five-star Adam Sandler movie if you look at the last ten years of his personal output, not like not his like acting stuff uh, outside of that. Right. Like, I'm not... Yeah, like, like the stuff... Like, like a Happy Madison. It's a Happy Madison, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, yeah, I was really worried. There's a, there's the, the first kind of opening scene with him in town, I was like, I don't... I don't I don't super love his performance. I think he's, as I said before, like, I just think he's too old to do that bit. Um, I think Mm -hmm. he needs to find some other way to be a weird character because his face is just too old for it. But, so that opening scene was like, oh, it's kind of fun, like, setting up who he kind of is in this town. But then he he catches those eggs, drinks the eggs, and then projectile vomits. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to hate this movie. And that was the only time in which I was like, I'm, I, this feels like the vitriol I've had for like ridiculous six and stuff. But as soon as that, that sequence was done, I liked everything else. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, at least they kind of, they contained some of the gross out stuff to that. Like they, they toned it down from, you know, something like that. That's my boy. Oh, totally. Um, but I think that like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, I will say, this movie got me to chuckle more times than it should have. I, every time yeah. that he would get scared, like, uh, when he, like, walks into the house and, like, the skeleton's just there and it, and it goes off and he just gets really scared by it, or at, at like, the haunted house later, got me yeah. every single time. Like, uh, it, it was really dumb. And I think that, like, bringing up, like, the earnest thing for, uh, before, like, I, this feels like an earnest movie to me in so many ways. And, oh, yeah. I, um... I mean, it's so weird, like to have like Ray Liotta, Michael Chiklis. <laughs> when did they get added to the kind of the the Happy Madison verse? only makes movies with the same fucking people, and that was that was one thing I was thinking about. Like, he he puts together like a freaking impressive cast. When you yeah. look at people who are like, yeah, I'll, I'll hang out. So it, I was I, as much as I was like, I don't. I was still like, dude, having that thought of man, um, it must be awesome to make one of these movies because they're dumb as hell. You get to hang out, nothing matters, and, and then you get paid. And Keenan Thompson, I thought, was legit <laughs> funny. Yeah, he's, he's good. I thought I thought Kevin James was not obnoxious. Yeah, I thought Kevin James was on a, the 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 scene at the end. They didn't know oh. whether or not they wanted him to be obnoxious. But yeah, they gave him that asshole hair. Yep, and I was like expecting him to be was but he actually yeah. wasn't a bad cop or that bad of a dude yeah but no totally like the way they made him look hmm. which is what, what yeah which was good and i there's the scene at the end where they like get to the house and like steve buscemi and rob schneider are there and they're like stick him up and this is like <laughs> why did we bring them again it's like there's no one else on duty we had to bring them with us killed me <laughs> okay yeah that was funny. That, that's funny <laughs> Yeah, I said I loved the two. Of the, I was shocked that one of the fun things I found funniest was Rob Schneider's involvement in this film. When and that's something I never thought I would say. When the mask comes off and it was Schneider, I lost it. Oh my god! I was... 
but it's with the Kevin James thing. Every every other than like kind of what Adam Sandler does, all these different people who've been in his movies before doing gross, obnoxious shit were all dialed down yeah. so far. Totally. That it, it's one of the reasons I was so surprised and why it worked a lot for me. Um, yeah. I love, love, love Ray Liotta leaving the haunted house. Like, oh my god, that was so fun. Wow, it's really weird to think I buried my father today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was funny. That was funny. You, were were you guys drinking while watching this? No, I was stone I was cold sober. sober. <laughs> oh wow, okay. I I started drinking about halfway through. It did get a lot better. <laughs> I think that this movie suffered from a like I watched it sober and I watched it alone, and I have a feeling that like getting hammered and, or high and watching this with your buddies probably makes it better. But it's, I didn't do that, so I didn't like. It. Uh, it's just it's one of those movies that it's like if you if you like grew up with Adam Sandler and you've just been so mad at him for the last like eight to ten years, it feels invigorating <laughs> to me. It kind of does, yeah. Like it, yeah, especially after things like That's My Boy and all the other Netflix movies. Um, although I, I I enjoyed Murder Mystery, I won't lie. Um, but uh, but besides that, it, it's yeah. Although I don't know, what do you guys think of Shaq's involvement in this? Um. I thought it was a funny little sight gag, and I didn't love the doubling down. I know. Uh, yeah. Who's notorious for having a crazy voice already? Yeah. Like, like they did. Like they gave a improv comedian with a crazy voice a different crazy voice. Yeah, that that I felt like that was the thing that that worked the least for me, in in like the movie as a whole. Um, which is and it's a very small part of it, but still. Yeah, um, I think it's crazy that that kid from Stranger Things is like an adult practically yeah. tall now. Yeah. yeah, I don't know when that season's coming out, but it's like a kid from Stranger Things. Yeah, it's really funny. It's like this, the, I couldn't think of who it was, and then I went back. I, I like searched online when I was watching, and it just I couldn't stop laughing at his wig from season two of Stranger Things. Oh um, yeah. yeah. And he's the one who's like two years younger than the rest of the kids. So how big do you think those other ones are now? I don't know. I mean, like probably eight feet tall at this point. <sighs> Gotta be at least eight feet tall. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I'm somewhere in between the two groups on this one. Um, I think that, that I think the call. I think I could have done without the O'Doyle and some of those callbacks. I think they start trying too hard uh, on some of that. It's definitely not Sandler's worst. Um, it's actually no, and, th- and that's the thing. It's like, did I like it? No. Would I watch it again? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't say that about any of his other movies. So, on yeah. some level, it works. I just with, with I just want him to. I wish he could like recapture that that late '90s run magic because every single thing he made was my favorite thing. Now, I hope that this is some twelve-year-old's favorite. I, yeah, it, it must be. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree. All right, let's keep it moving. Let's go to some of the uh, the movies about movies that we watched. How's that sound, guys? Sure. Yeah. All right. Fair. So we thought we would watch movies about movies on the Movie Movie Podcast. Yep, just to make it a little bit more confusing for everybody. Um, so let's start off, Alex. Yes. All right. So I guess we're, uh, I guess we're kind of doing chronological this way right um we could if we want to <laughs> yeah so uh this actually this i think this is a good segue so um i watched a movie that came out a couple years before movie movie um that was also a send-up to a, a bygone area i watched mel brooks's silent movie um which is about mel brooks playing a director named mel fun going around with Marty Feldman and Dom DeLuise trying to get a silent movie made in the 60, in the 70s to save a movie studio. Um, it's also a silent movie. But it's also a silent movie. Um, Classic. I, I love Mel Brooks. Um, and I weirdly, this is kind of like I'd never seen this in its entirety before. No, um, I've never seen it before. It's, it's actually, I think it's the only... Well, I don't think I've seen this or High Anxiety before. High Anxiety, I want to say, like, oh, that one's not bad, but I feel like it's not as good as 
Um, I I think that this this movie was was fun for a little while, and I think that they do a really good job of uh, because the movie pretty just follows those three around, and you know they're they're finding different Hollywood stars to try to star in the movie so it gets made. Um, and oftentimes they'll they'll find someone like they go between um, God it starts with. Uh, Oh gosh, I'm I'm blanking here. It's it's going to be not Paul and Burt Reynolds. Then they go to James Caan, Liza Minnelli, uh, Marcel Marceau, <laughs> and Bancroft and Paul Newman. Um, but like, so each person they go and visit, it kind of mm-hmm. goes into a sound movie style bit. And okay, that is the funniest part. Like when they. Uh, meet Burt Reynolds. They're trying to get in his house. So, you know, Dom DeLuise will step his foot in the door to try to stop his, uh, you know, butler from closing it, and he gets, it gets all smashed, and they, like, all stand up on a big trench coat together, and um, there's a lot of fast motion <laughs> involved, as you can imagine, through all these. Like, James Caan, they go into James Caan's trailer when it's missing his spring, so it's, like, going to be tilting back and forth so they're all trying to have lunch together while balancing everything. So like okay. they'll be like, eating. so like Dom DeLuise will take too many melon balls and they'll all start falling back. One, it's it's <laughs> it's them taking a long time, like an uncomfortably long time with the comedy scene and making that funny. Um, Liza Minnelli, this one is probably the funniest. They all get in suits of armor and they're at craft service and they go to sit down with Liza Minnelli and they just can't sit down. So they're all just falling over and falling on top of each other and falling on her. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's literally just five minutes of falling, um, and it's very, very funny. That stuff is funny. Uh, what doesn't kind of work is the attempt to shoehorn Mel some Mel Brooks jokes in between, uh, which I love Mel Brooks. But there's a running gag where women see all the guys falling onto each other and yell the F word at them. <laughs> and that's oh, one of Jesus. the title cards that just comes up. Yeah. <laughs> not, not great. Oh. Huh. Um, but like, but, wow. but I mean, yeah. And, <laughs> Ooh. and it's like, yeah. <laughs> and like, but, but like, but the, the, the slapstick and the physical comedy is, is very, it's, it's very funny. Um, and I think they do a good job sending up that stuff and the whole the problem is though you're watching a movie where they're telling you throughout the whole 85 minutes how this movie can't work <laughs> and just that'll be bad and okay so you're just watching a thing telling you that it's bad for so long that you're just like okay guys just keep doing the fun keep doing those funny bits because um, those are great but it sometimes runs out of steam trying to hold itself up. All right. I, again, haven't seen this one. I've always wanted to watch it. And there are parts of what you said that I'm interested to watch. There are parts that I have no interest in watching. Yeah. <laughs> Which parts are you? <laughs> but, but, but seriously, like those those comedy bits are like, like, uh, like with Anne Bancroft, they they take out a bunch of flamenco dancers and she's out to, to dinner and they're just all trying to do a big like dance and bring her on stage and do all this like kind of like tricks and stuff like that. It's um, those things that they do that, that feel like old Hollywood scenarios are just really good. And uh, I think that that kind of slapstick is again, something that like kind of like with the movie, like it's stuff that I don't think I saw. Hmm. A lot like at that at that era in film, and also now it's like you know nowadays we have the you know with the artist, right, right, and that kind of tribute to to sound film, which is like very much up on a pedestal, like um, that kind of thing where like Hollywood just really loves to just there's nothing they love more than making movies about themselves, right, um, and I think this one. Um, a little bit more of a crass teardown than like a movie movie. 
and it's uh, rated PG. Do we feel like that's appropriate? That's... <laughs> nope, not really. There you go. Uh, really? I wonder why. Yeah, can you explain? <laughs> Burt Reynolds, no, right? But yeah. again, I that's the James Conn. But but the but everything else before that in the James Conn section, the last no, like watch those two scenes. They are like comedy gold. Okay. All right. I'm going to give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. All right. Nice. All right. Moving on in chronological order. As, as... Oh, oh, sorry. Wait, one, one oh. thing. The, the, the score in Sound Movie is great. And everything is like foliated with like um, musical instruments and stuff like that. So like they'll oh, nice. have people doing things and it's like, you know, like a pretty drum or like a, all these things. They, they, that is, is wonderful. The score is amazing. Very good. Anything else? Nope, that's it. That's All it. right. Actually, you know what? There it is. Um, so next in chronological order of the movies that have come out, uh, of movies about movies, uh, is 1991's Popcorn, which I watched. Um, so the I remember, I remember as a kid going to the movie theater to go and see The NeverEnding Story Part 2. Um, and... <laughs> There was the uh, the poster for the movie Popcorn uh, in the in like the, the lobby, and I remember having nightmares about this poster for like years to come. Um, oh, that is terrifying. <laughs> Russ, I don't. If, since no one knows it, if you got it up, you mind giving us a rust down? Yeah, I do. Uh, popcorn directors are irrelevant. Uh, a master of disguise, deranged killer begins killing off the college students who are organizing a horror movie marathon in an abandoned theater. Yep. So that is a hundred percent what is going on. Um, it and the kills are very good. So uh, the the main character, uh, she like has these Wait, weird. Comedy horror. Yes. All right. Um, the the main character is like having these weird dreams, and she's not totally sure who these who this person is that's in her dreams and stuff like that. Um, and they all decide that you know they gotta. It's basically like a save the rec center type of thing, but uh, they're going to put on a horror movie marathon. Um, and they're going to they get like this uh, this guy who has all these old props from like nineteen fifties uh, movies. So there's like uh, the mosquito about like a giant mosquito, and he has this big mosquito that that can like fly through uh the theater during a part of it and then there's the uh it's it's like uh oh, who's the guy that like saturday matinee was about walter something who used to do like those those uh prop things during horror movies where it's like the shocker um and like there would be electricity on, on the screen and it would like shock the shock the seats underneath you and and uh like the stinker and like pipe in like all this like really bad yeah and like pipe in like really bad smells into the theater at the time and uh so the people who die during it all die during one of those films and are all die like in somehow relation to those like props and gags that are happening during those films as well. Um, this looks like it rules. This I'm movie like scrolling through the, the IMDb pictures right now. This movie, I really like this movie. I saw it at like uh, at one of like the Alamo for the first time at the Alamo uh, like uh, uh, Halloween movie marathons. It was like the closing uh, picture of the thing. It was like 1 a.m. and they were just like, we got a 35 millimeter print of popcorn. And I was like, oh my gosh, that movie that used to haunt my dreams as a kid. Um, and like finally saw it. And it's got like, it's got a meta tinge to it. Not as much as the movie that I will talk about soon. Um, but, but it never goes too far overboard and yet, it, and it's like, it still predates like scream by a couple of years as well. So there is, um, oh my gosh, there's like that, like really pompous, like uh, kids, like film students talking about movie dialogue in the beginning about like, um, the difference between like Ingmar Bergman's characters and police Academy five. That is like, that is, <laughs> And it's like just a couple of sentences, but it like it killed me. Um, I got it. Like this is totally worthwhile. I think it, it's it's something. Oh, yeah. it's, uh, time Bill, uh, uh, Tom Billard play is chews up the screen when he gets the chance to um, uh, see it. If you got the ch- if you can, uh, it, it's fantastic. Um, is this what is this on? Is this on any sort of streaming service? Nothing. 
It is on nothing. You gotta, there's, there's a Blu-ray that eventually came out like two years ago. Like this was basically on VHS and then nothing else for like two decades. Um, it it kind of like got lost. This movie bombed hard at the theaters. Um, and, and then they just kind of swept it under the rug after that. Uh, it, yeah, if you can track it down, track it down. Uh, it's, it's well worth watching. I forget. I think, it, I I think you can find it too. Trust me. You, you could, it's definitely findable if I had anything to say about it. Um, next up, Russ. Yo. So, I, uh, in my movies about movies, chose to watch a movie about movies, a little movie called The Player, written and directed by Robert Altman, which, a uh, quick rest down, a Hollywood studio exec is being sent death threats by a writer of the script he rejected, but which one? Um, so, this movie is one really good. And to a movie that I remember seeing my parents watch, but it had too many people wearing suits, so it seemed boring to me. <laughs> um, yeah. But now having watched it as an adult, this movie fucking rules. It is one of the better, I don't even know that I'd call it a satire, but uh, just like comedy drama thing that I think purpose perfectly encapsulates what Hollywood is like. Like the first 15 minutes are just like a gigantic tracking shot. You know, we love tracking shots. And oh, yeah. it's, it's basically a tracking shot going back and forth about all these movie pitches. And it actually reminded us of which we, me and what we used to do our own before. Because it's just a bunch of like writers saying, uh, 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 it's like a psychic political thriller comedy with a heart and because it's a movie that came out in 1992 every single movie that these writers were trying to make was a ghost and something else which I thought was pretty funny um but I think uh this movie I think closest if you want to like what it resembles now it felt like succession if anyone watches that show interesting where you're just watching like rich, privileged assholes have, like, like kind of skate through situations that other people would not be able to. Like, basically, without giving away too, too much of the movie, because uh, it happened in the first 40 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, um, Tim Robbins is like, thinks that he found the person who's been sending him, like, what seems like death threats like a former writer whose script he passed on a uh, young uh, Vincent D'Onofrio and he kind of like tries to tries to give him a movie to kind of get him off his back they get into a conflict one thing leads to another he ends up accidentally killing the guy and the rest of the movie is like kind of his paranoia uh, not getting caught for that but also that wasn't the person who sending him those death threats and you're watching this dude like this the Hollywood which is that kind of navigate finding out who the person is who is threatening him while avoiding the the authorities while also trying to maintain his status as like the number two at a major Hollywood studio. There's like nine thousand cameos in this movie. Uh, there's at least I think there's I counted somewhere in the well, 50s but I know there's over 60 whoa. yeah well it's a Robert Altman movie so it's right. gonna be a huge ensemble cast yeah yeah like literally <laughs> any every anyone who they mention even is in it like Julia Roberts is in the last scene Bruce Willis um, there's a lunch scene with Burt Reynolds and I think the, the, what's really cool about the movie is a lot of the larger scenes that are in lunches or dinners which are I think pretty big in Hollywood the camera kind of just like stays in one place and you see everybody talking and then it kind of shifts over to this zooms into these people talking zooms out zooms into these people talking so you feel like sort of a fly on the wall uh of these very very privileged people and i i'm watching it i was just thinking about how much like people like aaron sorkin have taken from all of it. 
uh, like a lot of the walking and talking. But this movie, it's so goddamn good. But it's you have the stress of watching somebody just make poor decisions. Um, But you also know this is a fucking rich white guy. It's probably gonna be okay. And it feels like Succession and American Psycho kind of mixed together, but with a ton of Hollywood and a ton of comedy. And I believe that people in Hollywood kind of um, one of the things that I did find really, really funny in the movie was Peter Galley, younger Peter Galley. Tim Robbins is the one, like, I guess he's the writer's executive, and Peter Gallagher is like, fuck writers, like, we don't need any of that shit, why are we sitting here waiting for their ideas? Look at the newspaper, open it up, read a headline, boom, they can get it. And it, he, I'm like, he is basically playing the person who we all were spiritually <laughs> playing when we did the movie before in improv. That's Just awesome. soulless. And for this movie to come out in 1992, like right before like the 90s blockbuster movie, I think it kind of saw what was coming and did a really good job of showing you what Hollywood was going to be. So I think watching that if you're a movie person, it definitely turned inside baseball. It's not something everyone will like, but it's fucking dope. Nice. And women get shit on the whole time. <laughs> I think that's happened. Not that that's a good thing. Right. But I think that's what would have happened in Hollywood at the time. Watch the movie. I think it's really, really good. It, it, it's, it's, I don't know that it's necessarily funny, haha, but it's definitely funny. <laughs> I, I feel like I have like a similar relationship with this movie to what you were like describing it of like I think I remember watching my parents like watch this and being just like that doesn't seem like it's for me as like a kid and just oh. never revisiting it um, and uh, now I am very interested to actually go back to it yeah I, I think it's it's fabulous and uh, I, I can't say enough about it it was it was really really good uh, Tim Robbins was fantastic I don't know what was Oscar worthy that year or not if I look back I feel like this should have been, and I think he should have been nominated. This should have gotten a whole lot of especially yeah. considering Hollywood loves Hollywood. Right. Yeah, I can't see how it did, but right. see it. It's great. Nice. All right. Moving on up to the year 1994. The movie Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which I also saw. Um... Uh, th- this is, I don't even remember, like the sixth Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Something like that? I believe so. Yeah. Um, like wasn't it after, like, the, wasn't it after they ended, though? Like, it was after, yes. like, the final Nightmare or something like that? Yeah, yeah. And that, and that and that's part of the plot points, is, like, Freddy's dead. And they're just like, is Freddy going to come back? Are you going to bring Freddy back? Do you think that there's another, like, thing for Freddy? Um, and it's basically, like, Freddy coming into the real world and haunting the people who did, like, the original uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, uh, Wes Craven plays Wes Craven. Everyone plays themselves for the most part um, in this movie. Uh, so it is very meta, like, like almost too much at times. Uh, I remember the first couple of times I saw this, I, I wasn't really that into it. I thought that it was a little bit too slow um, and like too too serious um, because Freddy's always been kind of a more of a fun type of horror movie, right? Uh, and this not at all like this is just like straight down serious and I'm like I think this is probably like my third or fourth viewing uh, by this point finally kind of enjoying it Um, it's it's one that I feel like the whole reception of this movie has changed over the last 10 to 15 years well I you could argue that it was before it's time by like uh, at least 15 years yeah, and I, I, I think that that's very accurate and fair to say. Um, I, I think that there are some really, really fantastic bits to this movie that makes like a lot more sense if you are a diehard fan of one specific movie, that being Nightmare on Elm Street 1. Um, and the, there's like bits and pieces of dialogue that are just like pulled straight out of it, um, which they actually allude to on... like um, Peter and I were talking about this before. 
there's like a um, there's like a scene uh, like outside and there's just like who do you think who's doing it? I know who's doing it it's Freddy like uh, you know I think you're going crazy or whatever and then uh, you know uh, oh man uh, who is the uh, Heather uh, uh, Heather like goes back inside and like Nightmare on Elf one is actually playing on the TV and it's the exact same bit of dialogue that's hap- that just happened to her outside like that's happening inside um, I-, I think that everything like with Wes Craven and then at the end like after the nightmare is seems like it's over there's like the script that is on like the bed with like the dialogue that's about to happen between her and her son like that she's that it happens like verbatim like it, it is very very meta and like almost too much at times yeah, but I think kind of made this not great at the time it's because it, well, a lot of it felt too much like Wes Craven giving Wes Craven too yes. much credit. Yeah, 100%. Sure. But I think that, like, yeah, over time, it has, it's definitely grown on me um, uh, more so than I, I ever really thought it would have. Um, uh, I think that, like, there's a lot of, like, really good Freddy stuff in it. There's there's some, like, good gross-out horror uh, throughout. Uh, there I, There's a there's a great scene um Oh man, uh, with, with Robert uh, England, uh, where like he's dressed as Freddy and, and they're on like a talk show, and then there's a bunch of like kids in the audience that are like cheering and like have signs like Freddy, yeah, yeah we love Freddy, and all this other stuff, and it, and it's very, it just it's it plays on like that exact you know image that Freddy had, which was like kids love Freddy, we know it's a rated R horror movie, and he's a child molester and like a t- you know all this stuff, but like children yeah. love Freddy. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I think that it's because, yeah, those, man, I, I'm looking at the pictures again, the pictures of that exact scene right now. Uh, yeah, I, I think that like, again, sometimes maybe when you're in the time and you're critiquing your audience would be the audience watching at that time. Right. Yeah. Maybe they didn't take as kindly to that. And like, now there's some space in between. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into it shortly, but I also think there's an immediate re- reappraisal of this movie because, Wes Craven then goes on to perfect that the, sort of... He does Scream. Scream. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Right after yeah, this. Absolutely. The next year, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Holy um, crap. But uh, I, I think that, yeah, if, you've, if, you ha- if you weren't like crazy about this movie at first, um, you know, I would definitely give it a, a, another viewing because I, I think that there's a lot there. It's almost worth watching Nightmare 1 and then watching this. Um, or watch Nightmare One, and then a month later watch this, something like that. Well, uh, also then watch Dream Warriors because that's the best one. That is that is that's I'm true. Rumors. Yeah, that movie does well. Yeah. Also, the second one is very. I really like the second one. Everyone's everyone's got a different favorite nightmare. Well, let's just say it. Um, oh, don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> awesome, but I I would say the second one's very fun. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, has their favorite. <laughs> Everyone is their favorite uh, nightmare movie. Yep, exactly. Um, Pete, you're up. Yeah, I'm. Uh, so yeah, going on to Wes Craven. Uh, as I said, the, he the, that movie got reappraised because Scream was so good at it. Mm-hmm. Playing in the, and I think it plays with all those things, but it takes. It's not also a movie written and directed and starring Wes Craven as Wes Craven. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. Uh, but I am specifically talking about Scream 3, and for, uh, for those who don't remember, this is the one that is set – the movie takes place on the set of the film Stab 3. This is the one with yeah. Jane Silent Bob. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is where Cotton Weary gets killed at the beginning while Creed yeah. plays. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. if? What if? What if? So I hated this movie when I saw it. It's definitely not – that good of a scream film uh i think it's yeah. a lot of really fun stuff but yeah the the in the in scream 2 were introduced that uh the story of scream 1 was made into a movie called stab and now this is that now this is them making stab 3 um and people start getting killed on the set of stab 3 which which brings dewey gale and sydney to town yes this this kind of treats sydney like um and jane's Bob. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Jay and Silent Bob are on a studio tour, and they have one scene. Classic. <laughs> um, uh, Sydney comes down, but beforehand, Sydney was kind of like a um, Jamie Lee Curtis in the newest Halloween when she's she like lives in the woods in all the security, and she yeah. she works for a phone service, so she just calls into work and doesn't really go anywhere. But so everyone gets pulled into this, and so it's really fun watching the real characters interact with the people that are supposed to be playing them in different degrees. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. forgot about all that. Yeah. Posey is playing the Gale Weathers character. Yes. And she, she's the absolute best part of this movie. Um, so it's, and there's some fun stuff in which uh, there's like one set piece in which Sydney is being stalked by the killer on the set of the film, but the set is her childhood home. So we get the oh, same of everything about her house, but when she like goes out the window, you remember you're just on a lot. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh man. So, so there's some fun stuff there, but it's also like it just also suffers from like I like that we're doing like I like a lot that we're doing, but when you get to the end of it and it's just like the reveal's super dumb. It's not yeah. that it's annoying that we're still talking about like this has so much to do with specifically Sydney and her family like that's that well is completely dry but she leaves that gate unlocked at the end she's, she does she yeah. feels like she's free of it and then Scream 4 happened 10 years later uh, but there is some fun stuff that I would say go back and watch it because of um, because it, it uh, especially towards the end uh, Lance Hendrickson plays this like big shot movie oh, producer yeah. who is one of the reasons why uh, Sydney's mom had so much trouble. Like we find out a lot of secrets about Sydney's mom's history, but apparently they rewrote a lot of the uh, Lance Hendrickson's character stuff to make him more like Harvey Weinstein. Wow, really? Oh, yeah. oh I didn't know that. <laughs> this was twenty years ago. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and this is a Harvey Weinstein produced film. You know, this is Dimension and Oh yeah, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so some, uh, as I said, definitely fun stuff there. Uh, uh, but par yeah, Parker Posey, far and away MVP of this film. I, it's been oh, good on it. Trying to think, like I, I've rewatched most of the. I think I watched like all of the. I, I bought like the Scream series like two years ago, and I just watched all four of them on Halloween. Like, uh, not this most recent one, but the but, one before. Um, Parker Posey voices a Skylander. Sorry. Which one? Hold on. Let's stop. Let's stop the presses. Uh, uh, Dreamcatcher. Mm, not not a great one. one. Not a great one. Not a great one. If it was Stealth Elf, I would be all about this right now. Um, and, and I remember enjoying like one is fantastic. Two, not as much. Um, I love two. Really? I maybe I gotta watch I, two again. I I think that like two two you're like. Mm, I like you kind of get like a I see what you did there yes yeah clever but okay like it's it's I got what it was going for but I didn't think it stuck the landing of the yeah uh, so the, the one weird thing that the one like biggest eye roll inducing thing about this movie is that um, at one point they're just like going through the normal plot at one point uh, Heather Matazaro shows up to be playing as Randy's younger sister to give them a videotape that Randy recorded before he died, talking about the third film in a trilogy. Oh god! Yeah, I, it worked like, in the second like, one. That's are off in a trilogy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Randy can die. It's so unnecessary, and it's not, it's trying to play this game that they played before, and it just does not work whatsoever. Yeah, that's a yeah, yeah. I I, I totally forgot that they do the videotape thing again. Um, after they did it in two. All right. Yeah, so I would look out. They're not current. Well, Scream 4 is on Hulu, but I always feel, is it me, or does it feel like I constantly see the Scream movies showing up every month on a different streaming platform? They, they're they never jump around. I feel like every like every couple months, like Scream will be on Hulu, Scream will be on Netflix. Scream, I swear yes. the Screams were on HBO for a short amount of time. They were, yeah. They were. Uh, they were. And I think sometimes uh, they're on a few at a time. Yeah. Did they watch the TV show? I heard the first season was surprisingly okay. I heard the same, but I never actually watched it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. The, um, I would I would say like uh, if you're a fan of Parker Posey, uh, definitely watch this. There we go. 
all those people coming in from Lost in Space. All you posy, all you posy heads. Um, I need to, I need to finish that at some point, maybe. All right, let's move. We got one more movie to talk about, and we've been going for like an hour, so let's let's finish this thing off strong. Let's talk about vampires versus the Bronx. All right. Vampires versus the Bronx. I got to get out of this Scream 4 hole and go back to our TV. Uh, Vampires versus the Bronx. There we go. Directed by Oz Rodriguez. A group of young friends from the Bronx fight to save their neighborhood from gentrification. Dot, dot, dot. And vampires. (laughs) Accurate. Uh, Yeah. That's what it is cuter and more fun than I was expecting it to be. Like, yeah. the, it really hit... I thought that, it was going to be more Attack the Blocky, and it's actually... Yeah. Like, it's, it, yeah. It feels a lot... It feels very Monster Squad. Um, yeah. Yes. I think those the, the three main kids are great. really great. Really great. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, uh, I like... Every single time a store closes and there's an advertisement for the, like... The the store that's moving in is fucking hilarious. Oh yeah, that like there's times that like we're just watching we just watch this and we're like oh we suck just like our <laughs> neighborhood and everything like that like oh so sorry the artisanal butter store oh my god that oh that was that was the best that was yeah just like I mean if you walk around New York City the last god what fifteen. <laughs> To 10 years, 15 years? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you saw, like, everything like this. Like, you just those all those realty places all look like that. Like, everything, it's... It's you, you very accurate. You change. It's, it's, it's very accurate. Yeah. Um, I will say, I feel like this movie ran out of steam a little bit. At, like, the hour mark when I felt like it should have been building a little it, it it did. I don't know if that's a budgetary thing. Like maybe because like it's a short ass movie. Yeah. Um, and it's I hour thirty five. Hour hour twenty five. Yeah. Oh. It did feel like it like it lost some some steam, and I don't know, you know, sort of why it kind of ended to me. Um, well, but I think when you when you're works, building works really well. But I think when you're building up an event throughout it, you expect that event to be the final battle. <laughs> I, I feel yeah. like when I felt the movie starting to lose steam, Method Man showed up, and I was like, "I am <laughs> super in. Let's go. That's let's go back, <laughs> dude." That's this the the ensemble cast. Of this is oh, great. so good. It's so, it's so great. Enough like a Lauren Michaels produced film. Wait, is, is it really some Broadway video show? Up? Yeah, we did it again. And I looked up the director to figure out like what his thing is, and I guess he's like directed a lot of shorts. Digi- yeah, the digital shorts. Oh, the, last, like, the post. Okay. Uh, the post Sandberg. Yeah. Like, a lot of music videos. A lot of a lot of anything digital has been a lot of the digital stuff since the blowout. He's who's made it. So, because I was like, I don't understand the connection. This is like the loosest connection ever. An SNL property, and it only has one person, and it's Chris Red, and he is like a tertiary character at best. Yeah. Even though he's great, they could have easily done a little bit more because I yeah. think he's very funny. But I think this movie works. Like, uh, uh, it it it's a fun, it's a fun, it's just a fun movie that like you can actually watch with a ten year old. Yeah, totally. There aren't that many scary movies. It's either too scary or too something. But like, I feel like middle school age kid, it's a good time. And like, if my kid was watching this, I feel I wouldn't have any objections to it. No. Yeah, it's re- there's like no real gore, or the, I mean, like the bodies like dissolve at one point. But but there's nothing too crazy. I, like nope. there's some bad language but that's about it like that's nothing that you can't find on youtube by like every youtuber like it, this is perfectly fun for like a yeah like uh you're watching it with your your nephew your your 
your child on Halloween. Like it, it's just fun. And then at the end, when they're just like, "What did you say about the Bronx?" Um, and like the the Spider Man two feeling at the one point, I was like, oh, "No, this is better." Yeah, it has. To, there's a cute little moment in the middle. What I like when they uh, run a parallel between uh, young gang members and vampires. For the yes, world. I thought that was great. Yeah, it was really funny. Um, this also made me want to watch what we do in the shadows again. The, yeah, it, t- oh, the TV show. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, up on Netflix, and it's shorts, and it's Hallow- and it's October, so you really have no excuse to not watch it. There you go. Yeah, uh, this was uh, like a fantastic Netflix movie. Um, I'm trying to think of like some other like Netflix like fun Netflix movies like this that I would even like put in the same league and I can't really think of anything I don't know I normally I don't like a lot of Netflix movies same here I mean the only one that's even close is Hubie Halloween I think so should we end this thing let's talk about Hubie Halloween again I'm into it you can find us on the web at (laughs) moviemoviepodcast.com you can find Russ on all the social media networks and platforms as Russ Incredible you can find Peter as Pete, Peter PD on Letterboxd. You can find me uh, on Strava and Letterboxd as Johnny Tiggs. And you can find Alex on this podcast. Um, I think. You just say my name three times. I show up. There it is. Alex is Candyman is what we just <laughs> found out. Um, That's actually, true. Yeah, that is actually true. Um, <laughs> it's called diabetes. All right. oh thank you guys for being here with me thank you all for listening we'll see you next time on the movie 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 podcast movie movie movie